0: Amen. Let's take our Bibles and go into the book of Jude in the New Testament. Jude is the book right before you come to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And so we come to Jude, and we're looking together in verse number one, and we'll read this morning through verse 11. The Bible says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally, as brute beasts. In those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Uh, As Jude begins his letter, he begins, as we saw uh, earlier, he begins with a comforting word. But then the note of comfort becomes a concern in verse number three, as he explains his purpose was to write to them of the common salvation, But though that was his purpose, the Lord had other things in mind. And the Lord moved upon him to exhort them that they should earnestly contend for the faith. In verse number four, he goes on to tell them the problem, that there are certain men who had crept in unawares. Uh, While Paul and Peter warn of the apostasy that was to come, Jude warns that it had already come. And so here we find them, the church, the believers, dealing with apostasy, dealing with a war, as we looked at last time, the war against truth. As we come to verse uh, number eight, we find that uh, uh, Jude is identifying the enemies. He is alerting them of the threat that is posed by the false teachers and their followers. But one of the things that makes the enemy so dangerous is the fact that the enemy is very hard to identify because the enemy of the truth comes into the church as the Bible said in verse number four they crept in unawares and so they appeared to be just like everyone else I imagine that they were kind at least at first I imagine that they were gracious at least at first And winsome. I imagine that they were gifted. And I imagine that they appeared to be sincere. But it is all and it was all a charade because they were the enemies of the truth. And the enemies of the truth were seeking to corrupt and to control and to capitalize personally upon the church. And so therefore the church and its leaders must be diligent and must be vigilant and must be careful to examine anyone who would assume or desire to assume a position of leadership. In fact, careful examination of a church minister and leader is required by the Scripture. Maybe you want to write just a few of these references down. I'll read them to you in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And verse number six, as the apostle Paul is giving the qualifications of a pastor, he says that he is not to be a novice. That is, he is not to be an inexperienced man or an immature man. Or, as we're going to find in just in First Timothy five twenty-two, he's not supposed to be an unknown man, at least a man unknown to the church, or unknown by others in churches and other places. The Bible says of him in First Timothy 3 and verse number 6 that he is not to be a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 10, not speaking of the pastor here, but speaking of the deacons, he says this, and let these also first be proved. You do not place a person in a position of leadership because they appear to have talent, or they appear to have desirable qualities unless you know them, and they have proven themselves to be godly men who are spirit-filled men and who are men who walk consistent to the truth of God's Word. These are the requirements of church leaders That are laid out for us in the New Testament and we would do well to follow these requirements and the reason that we find so many churches in so much trouble today is because people have departed from the truth of God's Word and people have been placed in positions of leadership in churches who do not know the Lord many of them and those who may know the Lord oftentimes not walking in obedience to the faith and in obedience to the scripture and they're leading congregations astray and the fallout from all of this is extremely dangerous. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Here he's saying to, to Timothy, uh, don't, just because somebody claims uh, that they want to serve the Lord and just because they profess that, They want to be in the ministry. Don't lay hands suddenly upon them. Make sure you take time to examine them and their lives carefully. Because the enemies of the truth appear so sincere and seem to be so gifted they can creep in unawares, but they bring great damage. So we have to know the enemy. And so Jude is going to give us in verses eight through 11 three characteristics or three essential things we must know about the enemy. I want to share them with you this morning. Number one, know the manner of the enemy. Know the manner, how he conducts himself, how he operates, how he lives his life. Know the manner of the enemy. Number two, know the mind of the enemy, how he thinks how he thinks. And number three, know the methods of the enemy. I want us to look first of all, number one, at know the manner of the enemy. The Bible says in verse number eight, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Now one thing I've learned, though this this book has only 25 verses in it, there is a great amount of truth in these passages, in these verses. And in verse number eight, we find an accurate description and a definition of the moral, the spiritual, and the cultural decline of our nation. And of the churches across our nation. Notice what he says. These filthy dreamers defile the flesh. That means they corrupt bodies. They despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. You know, the attitudes and actions of American secularism are are depicted for us here in verse number eight. And those attitudes and actions are championed by a few few different groups. First of all, Hollywood (laughs) champions uh, this this whole notion of defiling the flesh, despising dominion, and speaking evil of dignities. Hollywood is a champion of this cultural shift, yet we still tune in and we still buy the tickets. The music industry is a champion of this cultural shift, yet we still download the music. Secular education is a champion of this cultural shift. Yet, we still send our kids into classrooms where teachers deny the existence of a holy God, where they teach our children that they can have sex education without morality, where we teach our children uh, that um, we evolved uh, from some scientific explosion that took place eons and eons ago. No wonder we find ourselves in the trouble we find ourselves in, because certain men have crept in unawares, recently a very prominent leader of a denomination of Christian churches uh, gave a a, a speech, a presentation, and in it he was asked if it was compatible, if, if the thought of evolution would be compatible with biblical Christianity. And I heard the man say that if someone believes in evolution that was generated by God, it certainly isn't although we may not agree with it, it isn't incompatible with the doctrines of Scripture and the fellowship of the church. How did we get here, friend, to say that we could teach the doctrine of evolution and that there's room for that in the book of Genesis? I want to tell you there is no room for evolution in the book of Genesis. We either believe the Bible or we don't. And if we don't, I'm sorry, let's just pack up and go home. Why go through all of this effort? Why go through all of this? If the Bible's not the Word of God, then what are we doing here this morning? But friend, if it is, then we best be here. And we best learn to contend for the faith. And if we're going to contend, then we have to know who the enemy is, and we have to understand his manner, his manner. Jude uses the term filthy dreamers in describing those who attempt to drive the church off course. They are those who are filled with dreams and ideas about a world apart from God. When I thought about that passage, I thought about a song, a secular song, that was recorded by John Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono. In 1971, they released the song that was popularized entitled, "Imagine." I want to read the lyrics for you. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer. What an interesting choice of words. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger and brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Well, friend, I wanna tell you that that philosophy is a pervasive philosophy today. In fact, that philosophy has gained so much steam that those who embrace it could potentially be elected to lead our nation. You see, the breakdown in theology That's what we believe about God and God's word. A breakdown in theology produces a breakdown in philosophy. Philosophy is how we live. It's how we govern our lives. It's how we view our world. And when our theology is distorted, Our philosophy will be distorted. And the mariner knows that when he charts his course and sets his compass, if it's off one degree, it can lead him hundreds of miles potentially off course. Our nation's off course. Churches across our world are off course. Families are off course. Lives are off course how did we get off course? The filthy dreamers, they came in and we allowed them to influence and chart our course and therefore we must realize the danger and we must know the enemy. Now as we think about the manner of the enemy, there are three things we read of in this eighth verse. I wanna share them with you. Number one, They defile the flesh. They defile. The word defile means to stain. To stain. It means to tinge, to pollute. What do they defile? They defile the flesh. It's not speaking of the carnal nature here, it's speaking literally of the body. The body. Uh, These filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Notice what the Bible says in verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. The word lasciviousness speaks of unbridled, unrestrained morality. It speaks of open immorality without any limitations, without any standard of righteousness, without any standard of decency. And my friends, we live in such an hour, do we not? And here he says, they defile the flesh. Now, they defile the bodies, not only their own, but the bodies of those who follow them. Now, here's something we need to know about who we are, that we are made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God. If you're a man today, you were made as a man in the image of God. If you are a woman, you were made as God ordained in the image of God. We are made in his image. We belong to him. Now, if we know him as Savior, we belong to him twice. Not only by an act of creation, but by an act of redemption. Jesus Christ shed his blood to purchase our salvation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Well, it's my life, it's my body, I can do with it what I wish. Not if you're a Christian. It is not yours. It is his. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God lives in the heart, in the body of the believer. He dwells within us. What kind of house? What kind of house does he dwell in with you? He said, Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I am to glorify God in my body. This whole notion has been lost in American culture today and largely, largely in American churches. You see, as if we read in verses 5, 6, and 7, we read of the iniquity of those who had received truth but sinned against truth and faced judgment. And what we find is a common thread of sexual immorality. In fact, not just sexual immorality, but demonically inspired sexual immorality. And so these filthy dreamers who would tell us that it's okay to do whatever you want to do with your body, to be involved sexually with anybody you want to be involved with, to tell you that people who believe the Bible in saying that, that, that sexual relationships are to be confined to marriage between a man and a woman, which is what God teaches in his word. This is God's design. This is God's plan. This is, the ch- this is the course that God himself has charted for us. And when you veer off that course, you're going to get yourself into a sea of trouble. But the world says do it. Whatever you want to do do it. And they can find, they can heap to themselves teachers having itching ears who will tell them it's okay. But friend, it is not okay. Someone gave me a book this week. Uh, It's a New York Times bestseller. The author is a contributor to the New York Times. And he wrote a book about drugs he wrote a book particularly about marijuana and all of this popular thought today that marijuana can be used as a recreational drug it's okay there's no problems with marijuana and uh, so he, he did some research because that quite honestly was his position and he wanted to defend his position but as he did the research he found out that he was wrong that marijuana destroys the brain That marijuana destroys uh, the emotional capacity of many young people. Uh, That marijuana leads to violence and violent tendencies in people. And he is writing a book, not from a biblical worldview or a Christian perspective, but he's writing a book to parents to say, we had better wake up and tell our children the truth about marijuana, yet we live in a culture that wants to make it acceptable and wants to tax it and, 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 and draw income from it and celebrate its usage. I have a book called Unprotected written by a psychologist who was a counselor of students at UCLA and in that book she documents the lives of young people who had everything going for them successful students successful athletes who trained their bodies, who trained their minds academically, but yet they were involved in all manners of sexual immorality and they bore the scars of it and they didn't know how to deal with it and they came to her looking for help. And her whole premise is to say that though the world would tell you you're protected, when you involve yourself in this kind of lifestyle, you are not protected not from the emotional harm, not from the damage, not from the physical disease that can come your way. These filthy dreamers defile the flesh and we pay for them to do it and celebrate it. Drugs, alcohol, all manner of things to destroy the body, the body that was made in the image of God. They defile the flesh. Here's the second thing. They despise dominion. The word dominion deals with the notion of authority. They despise authority. The word despise literally means to make void, to abolish and to get rid of isn't that what Lenin wrote when he says imagine there's no countries imagine there's no magistrates imagine there's no people to tell us what to do imagine that there is no authority they despise dominion they would say who are you to tell me what to do In fact, that is the pervasive thought of our day. Have you seen what is happening, what is taking place in college campuses across this nation? The social unrest, the way that law enforcement officials are treated in the United States of America, it is a shame, it is a reproach. It ought to shake us when people can stand up and 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 defy officers of the law and I understand there are abuses and I'm I'm not disregarding those abuses. Those abuses need to be dealt with but may I say that in large part the people who serve our community are wonderful people who want to do the right thing and they're seeking to serve our community and they deserve the respect and admiration of the citizens. And we had better teach our children to respect authority. They despise dominion. May I say this to you? Authority is established by the Lord. God established them. God ordained these authorities. Read the book of Romans. Read the Bible. You're going to find that God establishes authority. And the Bible also tells us that rebellion is in the heart of each and every one of us, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. One... A writer said this, because they demand to rule their own lives, apostates refused to submit to Christ's lordship over them. They don't want God to tell them what to do. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine of vain things the kings of themselves they've gathered themselves together they set themselves against the Lord in his anointed, saying let us break his bands asunder let us cast off the cords we don't want anybody to tell us what to do that's the spirit of America that's the spirit we find in many places and sometimes that spirit creeps into a church and into a family they despise dominion. Here's the last thing. They defame dignities. Notice what the Bible says. It's not enough to despise them, but they speak evil of dignities. They speak evil. They defame them. They, they, they tear down dignities. Now, what is meant here by dignities? It speaks of the reputation of one who is in authority it speaks of honor being due in other words I don't respect my parents I'm going to talk bad about them I don't respect Uh, the leaders in in in, uh, my community so I'm going to speak evil of them I'm going to speak evil of them because I want to set them at naught I want to minimize their influence I want to question their motives I want to question their credibility I want to create an atmosphere where nobody respects them and so the best way to go about it is to speak evil of dignities They tear down authority and undermine those who have it with their words. They use their words to malign the character of those who have authority and lead others into rebellion. And we better be careful about it, shouldn't we? We need to teach our children to honor their fathers and their mothers. we need to teach them to respect the authority that God has placed in their lives outside of the home. How about in the classroom or on the field of play or on the court when they come home and they do what they so easily can do to us manipulate us by telling us half truths slanted in their direction. Well how do you know they do that? Because we all do that. And we jump on the bandwagon with them and take sides against authorities. And then five minutes later, we ask our children, why don't you respect me? Because you have taught them how to tear authority down. And they're just doing what they've been taught to do. And that kind of attitude can creep into a church. And the enemies of the truth can begin to corrupt. They can begin to control. And they can begin to capitalize on the church. I've met people who everything about them looks good on the exterior who say they want to be a part of a ministry or a part of a church. But the truth of the matter is they have no interest in being a part of a church. They have all the interest in the church being a part of them. And they're here for the church as long as the church is here for them. They circumvent the authority of the spiritual leaders in the church. They despise it. They teach things contrary to God's word the Bible says here's what we can know about them they are the enemies of the truth and so may God help us as a church to be diligent that we would know who the enemies are and that we would learn to contend for the faith those who work to keep our nation safe from terrorist attacks. They can't wait until the attack is launched to get busy. Because an attack from a terrorist could come from any source, could it not? Everybody has freedom, everybody sort of looks the same. Sometimes there are telltale signs that would reveal things. But the truth of the matter is, it's not as if an an, an army has come in with a different uniform and is easily identified. No, the devil sends his agents in. Remember the parable of the wheat and the tares? Someone came in and sowed the tares among the wheat. I wanna tell you that Satan is working. He's working across this country in churches and he is sowing those tares. He is placing them in positions of leadership, and many unknowing Christians are buying their books and celebrating their ministries. but they're false teachers, enemies of the truth. How do we, how do we identify them? We identify them by their manner. They defile the flesh. We don't want that here, right? Do you want that in your home? Then let's guard our homes. Let's seek to be pure people. Now let me tell you, in this dirty culture, that's a job, isn't it? Let's seek to be pure. To understand that our bodies belong to the Lord, not to us. That we bear the image of God. That we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, May we learn not to rebel against authority. You're not always gonna agree with it, but don't rebel against it. Don't seek to eradicate it, don't despise it, and don't speak evil against it. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.